The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I'll be speaking about loving your wife, part two. Loving your wife, part two. There certainly is a lot to say on the subject, husbands. And uh, we just scratched the surface, actually, last time. And I think at least for my sake, hopefully for your sake, it'll be uh, helpful and a blessing to you. I was uh, going through reviewing part, uh, part one, and I was reminded today how quickly we forget. You know, it's one thing to hear the scriptures, right? It's another thing to apply the scriptures to your uh, life. And my wife was busy making this ice cream cake for Tate's 18th birthday. In fact, she's been... She's been busy with it, I think, like the last three days. It's, uh, it's been quite a, a project. It's a homemade ice cream cake. And uh, by the way, it was funny when she was done because she was taking pictures from like every angle of the, the ice cream cake. But, uh, but she was talking to me about it and she was going into great detail, right, of how she, you know, create, you know, how she put the cake together and the steps and then, you know, the frosting of the cake and how a certain buttercream frosting didn't work, right? So then you had to do the ice cream. Frosting, and I was just reminded of part one and how, and this came from my mouth, how I, I talked about listening to your wife, the whole part about communication and being interested, right, in what our, our wife's interests are and desires are and, 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 and listening to them. So anyway, God, uh, if I could confess my sins to you for a moment. Uh, so anyway, the Lord, uh, Lord has a sense of humor for sure. All right. So we're going to be looking at uh, the same section of Scripture tonight in Ephesians 5. We're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33 once again. And this first part, as I said, will be somewhat review. I, I do think it's, it's, it's necessary in terms of moving on to the other things I have to say tonight. But I do want to, uh, it all ties in together, and I do want to remind you of some things. And, and God certainly reminded me of me, you know, some things to me throughout this week as I worked on this study. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God. We're so thankful that we can gather here tonight. I'm so encouraged by each one of your people. I'm so thankful that each one of us could be a part of the local body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for the church. Thank you for what you did for each one of us, for your death, burial, and resurrection that saves us from hell and eternity apart from you. Thank you for the salvation that we enjoy in you, and so much more than that, Lord. Thank you for the victory that we enjoy each day, being a child of God. Father, we just pray that you'd speak to us tonight as husbands, that you'd develop us, that you'd continue to work on us and mold us into the husbands that you call us to be, and wives, that, that God would speak to your heart as well, and... Um, that you would just revere, that you would esteem and, and honor your husband as you're called to do. And so, Father, we just pray that you would mold us into the servants you'd have us to be tonight for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, verses starting in verse 22. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands. And as I said before, your husband is the one man that God has placed over you as your head, no other man but your husband. 
The Bible goes on to say, as unto the Lord. So as part of your obedience and devotion to the Lord, this is why you submit unto your husband. By submitting unto your husband, you're submitting unto the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. This is not by, certainly not by my design or your husband's design. This is by God's design. By God's design and purpose. So the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he, that is Christ, is the Savior of the body. Verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, the church is accountable to Christ in everything. The church is subject to and submissive to Christ in all things. So that the wise be to their own husbands in everything. All things without restriction. The husband is the head of the home. He's the head of the marriage in all things. The key verse, verse 25. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it, that is the church, with the washing of water by the word. So cleansing now through the gospel, through the cleansing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, washing away every sin from the repentant sinner through Christ's blood, raising the sinner from death to life, John 5, 24. The chief end being the future application of our glorification. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that should be holy and without blemish. The Word of God speaks of the glorified future church here in heaven where sin is completely removed from God's people once and for all. Verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. This speaks to the closeness of our union and communion with Christ. We are members of Christ's body in this locality, Berean Baptist Church. Verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, two united as one. Verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church which marriage is emblematic of. Verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And that's that respect and honor that I was referring to earlier. Of course, this is an unqualified statement at all times and in all circumstances. Love and reverence are spiritual endeavors to love for the husband and to reverence for the wife. Drink a water real quick here. Okay, so as we learned last study, the husband's supreme responsibility within marriage is to love his wife. We began to examine what the Bible means when it commands husbands to love their wives and what the characteristics of this love are. Ephesians 5 teaches us that Christ's love for the church is a standard and model husbands are to emulate in their relationship 
with their wife. The Word of God reveals to us in this passage of Scripture, Ephesians 5, that Christ's love for the church is sacrificial, which is what we covered entirely last time, purifying, caring, and unbreakable. Therefore, we as husbands are to love our wives with the same Christ-like love. We explore loving our wives with the sacrificial love, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What did Christ do for the church? He sacrificed himself for her. The scriptures state in Acts 20.28, Christ gave his life for the church, purchasing the church with his own blood. We learn true love requires action. It is sacrificial, it is unconditional, and expects nothing in return. Christ died for us, though we are unworthy sinners, completely undesirable and having nothing to give Christ in return. Romans 5.8 and Isaiah 64.6. Furthermore, God also revealed to us in Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, Christ's love is an eternal, undying, unchanging love we can never be separated from. Christ's love is infinite and perfect. God is not only loving, God is love. And, through, and though we as husbands can't love as Christ loved, his love is a standard we are to emulate and strive for in our lives and in our marriages. The practical conclusion we arrived at is that we can always love our wives more than we do, and because Christ's love is a standard, there is no possibility of loving our wives too much or sacrificing too much for them. I don't know if you've ever heard someone say, I just love my wife too much. Or maybe you even thought it to yourself, I just love my wife too much. Well, I would say, no, you don't love your wife too much. Not unless you love your wife as Christ loves. Not unless you love your wife as Christ loves the church. Amen? We highlighted three ways a husband is to love his wife sacrificially based on 1 Peter 3, 7. We said that husbands are to, to love their wives sacrificially with consideration, with chivalry, and with companionship. So let's, I want to review these very quickly. The first, uh, the first point we looked at, we are to love our wives sacrificially with consideration. We said a Christian husband needs to submit to the loving and sacrificial responsibility of taking care of his wife and subordinate his needs for the needs of his wife. The husband does not subordinate his headship, but he does subordinate his needs for the needs of his wife. We are to understand and know our wives so that we can properly express our love for them by sacrificially meeting their needs. See, see where I failed today? All right. The second, uh, the second point that we talked about was we are to love our wives sacrificially with chivalry. We talked about chivalry meaning gentlemanness. Though our wives are spiritual equals in Christ, Galatians 3.28, They are not equal to us in physical strength. Therefore, they need our protection, our strength, our provision. To provide these things for your wife is to love her. True love is not passive, but requires action. And then lastly, number three, we are to love our wives sacrificially with companionship. Our wives are heirs with us of the grace of life, sharing in the love and favor of God. As such, the Christian husband is to cultivate a loving and intimate companionship with his wife. 
The Christian husband should love his wife, not for what she can do for him, but because of what he desires to do for her. That is how Christ loves and what sacrificial love looks like. So that wraps up our review. That was point A, loving your wife with a sacrificial love. So let's look at another point here. We'll call it point B, loving your wife with a purifying love. Loving your wife with a purifying love. Christ's love for the church is a purifying love. Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. What is the Bible saying there? That Christ might purify it. With the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that, but it should, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Christ gave himself for the church in order to sanctify her, that the glorified future church in heaven would be perfect, holy, without spot or blemish. Hence, Christ's love is a spiritually beneficial and spiritually uplifting love. We are to love our wives in such a way that we encourage them to grow in their sanctification to greater godliness, to greater holiness. We are to accomplish this by Christ's example, by our, I should say, by our Christ-like example, through our actions and mentorship which encompasses biblical counsel and encouragement. So let's kind of drill down into these three areas I just mentioned. Our Christ-like example, husbands, our actions, and mentorship. Christ-like example. We should demonstrate in our lives love, devotion, patience, faith, faithfulness, commitment, kindness, forgiveness, and other Christ-like attributes. We are to encourage our wives to grow in their sanctification through our actions. Prayer, home Bible study. I don't necessarily mean reading the Bible with our wives, although you know, I would rec- certainly recommend that. But I mean just seeing your wives seeing you studying the Word of God, that it's important to you, that it's a high priority to you. Church attendance and service. Our obedience to Christ, which by the way... I think of Brother Dalton every time I think of this verse. I've heard him say it so many times. Which, by the way, is better than sacrifice, 1 Samuel 15, 22, but should not be to the exclusion of it. We are to encourage our wives to grow in their sanctification through mentorship. By answering your wife's biblical questions and assisting her in applying biblical wisdom and principles to her life. Husband, this is your responsibility, not the pastor's. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.35. Husbands, turn there. 1 Corinthians 14.35. Now, it's okay, certainly, for the pastor to answer your wife's question. We have Wednesday night Bible study, and all the ladies are permitted to participate in there. It's not the entire church is symbol. It's an open kind of format. But the pastor is not responsible, ultimately, to answer your wife's questions. You are, husband. 
1 Corinthians 14.35, And if they, the wife, will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I thought Matthew Henry had a good commentary on this verse in his commentary. I'll read that to you now. Matthew Henry said, As it is the woman's duty to learn in subjection, it is the man's duty to keep up his superiority. And let me just add here, he's talking about biblical understanding and wisdom. Matthew Henry goes on to say, By being able to instruct her, if it be her duty to ask her husband at home, it is his concern and duty to endeavor at least to be able to answer her inquiries. If it be a shame for her to speak in the church where she should be silent, it is a shame for him to be silent when he should speak. And not be able to give an answer when she asks him at home. Amen. Amen. Husbands, if you don't know the answer to your wife's biblical question, it is your responsibility to get one. And if you can't study it and find it, ask the pastor. Ask other Christian men uh, more, you know, farther along their, their growth path in the, in the Lord that you can turn to for, for wisdom and consultation. I've done that many, many times. I think pastor probably feels like he's my personal Bible answer man at times. I know Brother Dalton, Brother Dalton probably feels the same way. I've asked him so many questions and so many. How do you apply this to your life? Right? That's so important. Also along the lines of mentorship would be using Scripture to comfort and encourage your wife in adversity, in trials and daily challenges. Life is tough, right? Especially if your wife homeschools. It's really tough, right? But Jesus makes the load our load light, right? If we just depend upon him, Matthew eleven thirty. Jesus' yoke is light. His burden is easy. Some additional practical things husbands can do for their wives to encourage them in their sanctification. Pray for and with your wife. Now, I'll confess that my wife and I, we don't do this daily, but we do pray together. And I certainly pray for my wife. So pray with your wife. Pray for your wife. Read the Bible with your wife. Ensure your wife is continuously exposed to God's Word, like hopefully she is tonight. She's here tonight. Sunday worship and Bible study. This implies and necessitates, by the way, that you're present with her. Does it not? Oh, honey, you go. Tell me how it went. Tell me about it. Encourage your wife in ministry. Does your wife have a ministry in the church? She should. If not, ask yourself why. She should. Either a formal ministry, we certainly have formal ministries that have needs in the church, or some kind of informal ministry, whatever that is. It may be having people over. I know Sister Gertz is especially good at that. She's always having people over. Her door is always open. It may be visiting or attending to the sick. Brother Jorge talked about how he went and brother, visited Brother John. And I know many of you do those kinds of things. That's a ministry. I know Brother Jorge also reported it would be great if he could have even more visitors, right? 
So you say, oh, Brother Joe, there's no place to serve. Well, there's a place. It's just, the, the, the real question is, is are you willing to do what needs to be done? Are you willing to do what's required? Greeting, you can just, what about just greeting people? That's a ministry, isn't it? They come in the door, they see a smile, and yes, visitors, but I don't mean just visitors, I mean just people in the church. Do we stop caring and loving people once, they, once they're part of the church? Because, okay, we got them, we bagged them, and we bagged them and tagged them, let's move on. No. We need to foster those relationships, right? We need to continue to work at those relationships. And a smile goes a long way. Someone comes in the door and, hi, how are you doing today? And, and just showing that you genuinely care about people, that you genuinely care about that person. The other thing I would say is how about starting a ministry? I was thinking about Sister uh, Lisa Kay starting this, this book ministry, right? To, for the women to get together, to share wholesome books, spiritual books. You say, there's no place for me to serve. Then start the ministry. Run it through pastor. Run it through the proper channels of authority. But start a ministry. Don't complain about what there isn't. Be the solution. And not just be the solution, but serve. There's a place for each one of us to serve in this church. Support your wife in ministry. This is a big one, husbands, and I've, I've seen it through the years. Husbands, you know what we do? We discourage our wives from serving. We do. And we do it in a number of ways. Are you a stumbling block or hindrance to your wife's service to God? Do you become agitated with your wife when she expresses a desire to serve in the church? Do you complain about your wife's service or have a discouraging attitude towards her service? For example, you're impatient when you, with your wife when she is serving or generally show disinterest. These are all ways that we discourage our wives. Reject spiritual passivity because that's what that is. You are displaying by your conduct, by your behavior, by your attitude, little to no concern for spiritual things, especially as it relates to your wife. By the will of God, husband, you have been appointed as your wife's spiritual head to lead her. Do you assist your wife in ministry, either directly or indirectly? They're not here tonight, but I was thinking about Brother Steve and Sister Mona, how they serve in the choir together. That's one way to encourage your wife, isn't it? Serve along with her. Praise God for them. So do you assist your wife in ministry, either directly or indirectly, in order to be a help to her in her service so she can also serve our great God and Savior? and be in obedience to him, as well as experience the great joy and contentment that can only come, that can only be experienced through serving God and serving others. Give you some ideas, husbands, because if you're like me, you need help. How about helping with the children? 
in one capacity or another. How about cooking, which my wife knows I hate, but I sort of help with that. What else? What else can we do? What about cleaning? My wife cannot stand a messy house. If the house is messy, she has a hard time focusing on anything else. It's like, it's just one of those things. And of course, we're, we're all different. But that would be something that would put her mind at ease. So she could focus on serving the Lord. So whatever it is that will your, give your wife peace and put her mind at ease. So she could focus on the Lord's service. All right, and then lastly, encourage your wife to read devotionals, Christian books, and to listen to good Christian messages, podcasts, so on and so forth, that provide solid biblical instruction for her edification. This is just good practical spiritual wisdom, isn't it? I mean, what do you want your wife listening to or watching? It goes without saying, but it's too important not to explicitly express. Husbands, if we are to lead our wives in their sanctification, this also means we don't lead them into sin nor intentionally expose them to it. Furthermore, it is extremely unwise and unprofitable to the health of your marriage and to your wife spiritually to speak or act towards her in ways that might embitter your wife or cause her to become angry or hostile. Have you ever purposely provoked or prodded your wife, knowing that it would cause her to respond in a sinful manner? Be honest. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. But have you ever done that? I'm sure I've done it. (laughs) I know I've done it. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Well, husbands, it's not only your children that you can discourage by your actions. We can discourage and dishearten our wives as well by our words and our actions. Rather, what the Bible says is that we should consider. We should show consideration to our wives. Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another. That means to fully consider or to, to empathize, to put our place in their shoes, to think about their point of view, their background, their situation. is showing consideration and deference, like I mentioned before. Now, what, to what purpose? To what end? The Bible goes on to tell us in, here in Hebrews 10.24, to provoke unto love and to good works. In other words, that we would spiritually elevate others, especially our wives, glorifying God. Amen. If we love a wife as Christ loves the church, we're going to hate anything that defiles her and be diligent to protect her purity. A spiritually beneficial and uplifting love leads your wife to seek after holiness, to desire to become more holy and to grow in her sanctification, allowing her true beauty to shine, radiating Christ to all those around her. Holiness is the truest, finest, most enduring beauty of a woman. It is the internal beauty, not the external beauty, that makes your wife genuinely beautiful. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, 
or his outward appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And then in 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, who's adorning, or ornamenting, or decorating? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair, elaborate braiding of the hair, and the wearing of gold, which you ladies call accessorizing, right? Accessorizing your, yourself with gold, or putting on of apparel. So this may be, you always are going out and buying new clothing. It may be extravagant clothing. It could even be immodest clothing, but it's, it's overemphasizing the external, the clothing, right? What you're wearing. Verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, the inward adorning or internal grace, which, as Gill says, gives a beauty and ornament to the soul. The Bible goes on to say, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek, which means humble, and quiet spirit. These are the fruits of the Spirit. That your ladies, that you would be peaceable, that you'd be patient, that you'd be content, inoffensive, not exciting trouble or discord, courteous, friendly, inviting, all in all, submitting to the will of God. Bible goes on to say, this is a beautiful verse, which is in the sight of God, great price, very precious, or exceedingly precious, ladies. Women are exhorted not to be overly concerned with things that decorate or enhance their physical beauty, but to be primarily focused upon beautifying their inner person. The world accentuates the physical, Romans 8.5. Husbands, we should seek to positively influence and encourage our wives toward holiness, encouraging them to sanctification and spiritual growth, knowing this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6.22 but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ultimately, it is Christ's desire and determination to once and for all sanctify the future glorified church, so that it will be completely and finally holy without spot or blemish. Ephesians five twenty six and 27, that he might, in the future, prospective church, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And of course, no church like this exists today that's perfect where the members are without sin, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, we should have concern, passion, and determination, not only for our own progressive sanctification, but also for our wives' sanctification. Once again, husbands, reject 
spiritual passivity, as this is simply not biblical. It's the age that we live in, but it's, it's not the will of God. It's this age that we live in is where men are passive, where they're weak, where they don't spiritually lead their, their wives and their children. We've, we've given up that, uh, that responsibility that God has given us. If you've done that personally, take it back. Take back your responsibility. Acknowledge it. Confess it and take it back. We should approach our wives' sanctification not in a critical way, but lovingly, and this is so important. You're not going to get anywhere if you're going to just criticize your wife and tear her down. We should approach our wives' sanctification not in a critical way, but lovingly, positively encouraging, not negatively lecturing, criticizing, tearing down, or otherwise discouraging our wives. So loving your wife with a sacrificial love, loving your wife with a purifying love, and point C, loving your wife with a caring love. So I'll probably finish this point up, and, and then unfortunately we'll have, to, we'll have to quit. All right, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to notice the reference to a union. Not that the, the verses we're about to read talk, say explicitly you, the word union, but if you, you'll notice when we're reading that it's, it's all over the place. It's throughout these verses, right? That how the, the, the scriptures speak, refer to a union and the repetition again and again in the following verses. Ephesians 5, 28 through 31. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, one in union. And I'm going to repeat this for repetition's sake. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, one in union. Verse 29, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, one in union, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. Verse 30, for we, that is the church, are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, one in union. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and should be joined, one in union, unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, one in union. A husband's love for his wife is to be a caring love. We are to treat our lives with the same level of attention we devote to ourselves. We are quick to take care of our own needs, are we not? I don't know about you, but it's as natural to me as breathing. I need something, I get it, if I can. Are we as quick to take care of our wives' needs? Our wives' needs, husband. That's not so natural, is it? That's spiritual. That's Christ working through us so that we're concerned about their needs. The husband is one with his wife. Furthermore, in salvation, your wife is one with Christ, entering into a spiritual union with him. If you don't love your wife in a caring, compassionate way, then you aren't caring for yourself, being of one body, one flesh, one union with your wife. And you don't love Christ as you should, your wife being in union with Christ. Matthew twenty five forty, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the, the least of these my brethren, 
ye have done it unto me. This is an extremely hard statement to receive, I think. How you treat your wife is how you're treating Christ. Said another way, how you treat and care for your wife is a measure of your love for Christ. This reminds me of a bulletin article from Sunday, July 7, 2019, entitled, How We Treat the Church is How We Treat Christ. Does it sound familiar? The article states that, quote, if Christ is unified, if he's one, with his people, and he is, then what one does to his people is what one is doing to Christ. How one treats his people is how one is treating Christ. Is your wife not one of Christ's people? She is. Not only is your wife in a spiritual union with Christ, but if she belongs to this church, she is also a member, a part of his body, this local body of Christ. Acts 9, 4 through 5, And he, Saul, fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. As the article states, the broader and primary implication of Acts 9, 4 through 5, is whatever anyone does to the church is done to Christ. For example, how the Lord's people treat one another, as well as our treatment of the things of the Lord, the church, and our attitude towards it. Quote from the article, a high view of the church is a high view of Christ, unquote. Husband, if you want your marriage to be blessed, you need to take care of your wife. Seek to meet your wife's needs as you're able, as well as her desires that are reasonable, good, and add to her well-being. Our wives are a God-given treasure to be cared for, nourished and cherished, protected, loved, and comforted, as Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. Ephesians 5.29, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh. No, quite the contrary, by nature, which is a God-given natural instinct for self-preservation, but rather nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Christ preserves, protects, provides for, attends to, and comforts his church, his body. In context of Ephesians 5.29, nourisheth means to care for, to provide means of support for your wife. By nourishing our wives, they in turn are able to fulfill their God-given role of nurturing the children. Cherisheth means literally to warm or to brood. Webster's Dictionary of American English, 1828 edition, says this, quote, To sit on and cover as a fowl on her eggs for the purpose of warming them and hatching chickens, or as a hen over her chickens to warm and protect them. So to cherish means to treat with tenderness and affection, to give warmth, ease, or comfort to, protection, security, aid, attendance. In context, in Ephesians 5.29 is saying husbands are to support and care for their wives in a way that makes them feel loved and secure. This is countercultural today in a world that teaches women to be tough and independent. It's a challenge, right? Husbands. I was thinking about Tate's shirt that he has, the bright purple 
shirt that someone gave him. It says culture shock, and it has like 1 Timothy 4.12 on the, on the back. And that's how the Christian life is. The Christian life is a living testimony of the love of Christ manifested through us. And if lived right, if lived biblically, it's a shock to the culture around us. Husbands, even if your wife is able to provide for herself, and maybe she's not only able to provide for herself, but maybe the family as well, it doesn't abrogate or lessen your responsibility to do so. And no matter how difficult it is being the provider, having been made more difficult by sin in the fall, it is, it is your God-given responsibility as the head to provide for your wife and children. It takes a tremendous amount of spiritual leadership from a husband to provide for his wife love, care, strength, and security, as the scriptures outline for us. This can only be accomplished by the power and energy of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Husband, as you study and meditate upon the Word of God, the Spirit will work through His Word, strengthening you, helping you to yield and submit to the Lord and transforming you, producing the Christ-like fruit that is so needful and necessary in your life so that you're able to love and care for your wife as Christ loves and cares for his church. Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What renews our mind? What transforms our mind? The Word of God. And that's the same Word of God the Spirit takes, strengthening you, transforming you, enabling you to love and care for your wife, as we're called to do, men. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Galatians 5.22-23 through 23 describes the fruit of the Spirit's work. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And in Galatians 5.25, if we walk in the Spirit, the Christian is indwelled with the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us be filled with the Spirit and directed thereby. So in summary and conclusion, to wrap, wrap this up, husbands, love your wife with a sacrificial love, purifying love, caring love, and we didn't get to it, but an unbreakable love. Something for the future, maybe. I just want to read one last uh, scripture to you. That would be Ephesians 5.25. This would be a good verse, by the way, husbands, to uh, write between the frontlets of your eyes, so to speak, right? To print this out. Put it up on your, your mirror, your vanity. Put it somewhere where you see this all the time, right? It reminds you of how you care for your wife. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us so much. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for the fellowship we have with you. We thank you for the fellowship we have with your church. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for blessing those of us who are husbands with wives. We pray that you'd help us to love them, to care for them, to elevate them spiritually as you've called us to do. Help us not to be passive, but spiritually active, not only in our lives, but as 
leaders called to, by you to lead our wives. And Father, we pray for our wives that you help them to revere us if you have called them to do. Help them to, even though it can be very difficult at times, to be in submission to us as a devotion to you Because they love you, Lord, and they want to obey you, and it's your plan. Help us, Lord, to not to question your plan, but help us to live your plan. Lord, we just want you to be glorified through us, and we want you to be glorified in the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.